conspiracy theories, eh? Wait till you get a load of this. Hello, and welcome to Cracked Sisters Conspiracies. We're a podcast that covers conspiracy theories, mysteries, and all of our spooky shit. My name's Jackie. And I'm Cassandra. And we are said sisters. We have a special guest today. We do. Who are you? James. <laughs> so James, who are you? Um, just a person. You're oh, just a person. I know you from you, work. You do know me yeah. from work. Okay. And occasionally extracurricular activities. Which were all yeah. pretty terrible at collecting. Tennis. Golf. Golf. It was pickleball. Pickleball. I couldn't think no, of what it was called. We played tennis before. Oh. It was a disaster. He just yelled at me the whole time. That sounds Because <laughs> I guess right. there's rules in tennis, which I did not abide by. Or you know no. What? That's right. I remember hearing about it, and I'm like, I don't want to And then I tried to play guy. with you like that, and we're like, this is stupid. So we didn't. And then we played golf with him instead, and then it went fantastically. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you sucked the first time we played golf. He gave me some decent pointers, no. though, and it helped. Yes, you did. Oh, well, I was rusty. I hadn't played in a while. Oh. Good you did better the, the second time. The second time. Yeah, I played a couple times after. I was ready. Anyway. Okay. So what are you covering today? Yeah, because we are not having a topic. You are having a topic. It is my topic, yes. So a while back, you guys did a conspiracy theory of whether or not Tupac was still alive. Mm-hmm. True, we did. So I'm, I'm not here to dispute that or say otherwise i think he is dead okay that answers that question <laughs> all right so uh not too long after he died uh his rap rival from the east coast biggie smalls yes or christopher wallace aka biggie smalls uh was killed in los angeles was he he dun, was dun, dun, dun. Not, okay. not <laughs> See, i don't think there's ever been i don't a theory that he's is yet there's a lot of so there's a lot of controversy and conspiracies on on who killed big oh there we go and whether or not they know who did it but it was covered up by the lapd and all sorts of oh wow okay i didn't know any of this some corruption involved the lapd never i'm not here to bad mouth any agency or anything it's okay everything we say is alleged yes so don't sue us most of the information was gathered from a book called Labyrinth by Randall Sullivan. Did you actually read this I book? read that book a while ago. Oh, okay. It's an older book. But most recently it was made into a movie with Johnny Depp called City of Lies. Oh, I've which, seen that. Okay. I, don't know. I, I have. Oh, okay. Yes. It would stay pretty accurate to the book. I mean, there's obviously some oh. dramatic licensing or something. So, like yeah. That. Okay. Anywho, okay. we all know what I said. So that, and then there's sure. obviously numerous documentaries. There's one on HBO Max uh, called Biggie and Tupac, which is pretty good. And okay. Obviously there's... So, obviously, we know back in 1991, 92, there was the whole Rodney King thing. Yes. They put a big black eye on the... Black eye? Black eye, not black guy. So, enunciation. (laughs) Rodney King was black. He was. He was. was Beaten by white officers. Yes. And that was tried Uh, locally. It was tried in Simi Valley. It was tried in Simi Valley. So that happened in 91 and 92, the verdict came down, the riots and everything. Mm-hmm. So the LAPD had kind of a whole black-white issue with them and the black community. So as we go along, think about that in the background, why maybe some things happened. Okay. Just given the time. Okay. September 7th, 1996 was when Tupac was shot and killed in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Okay. He came to be with Suge Knight at the time, who owned Death Row Records. Right. Yes. They had left that nightclub, right? Oh, in Vegas? Yeah. Yes. But yes. Pri- prior to that, he came to Suge because Suge bailed him out of jail. Right. He was brought up on charges. Yes. His assault charges. Right. right. He was, while he was building his conviction, he was able to bail out, but he didn't have the money. Suge put up the money, okay. got him out. Tupac was later recorded All Eyes on Me, which was his greatest commercial album under the Death Row label. Okay. So got it was a good investment for Suge, right? He paid a few thousand dollars to get him out of jail. And he turned around and made that, yeah. made that money. Like you said, they were departing a Mike Tyson boxing match in Las Vegas, in which Tupac got into a fight with Orlando Anderson as they were exiting the casino. Yeah, Baby right. Lane? Or was that someone else? I don't remember what his street name was. It was Baby Lane, but no, I don't remember. I don't know. Anyway, he was a Southside Compton <laughs> Crips gang member. Suge right. was notoriously affiliated with the Blood. Yes. 
which I got backwards. Yes, the you first did. Time. I was so tipsy at that point. I'm like, I don't know what <laughs> day it was. Yeah. Continue. Okay. There was actual beef with Orlando Anderson from an earlier encounter that happened in Los Angeles, like at a mall. Was it like 90-10 or 80-20, maybe 85-15? What do you what? What percentages you're just throwing out? They had beef. What, what, what? Oh. <laughs> Was Father's Day yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> Happy belated, by the way. Oh, yes. <laughs> they had beef. They had a beef with Tupac for whatever reason took it upon himself to attack Orlando, which most of the gang members that were affiliated with the said that that shouldn't have been him. It should have been one of the gang members that should have handled something with Orlando. Okay. Their job is to protect Tupac and keep him out of trouble. Anyway, he gets into trouble. So not too long after that, it was approximately three hours later, someone shot into the car that Tupac was in. In Vegas, Vegas, yes. In Vegas, fatal and killing him. A little backstory on Orlando Anderson. Okay. He was the nephew of a man named Dwayne Davis, also known as Keefe D, who was also a Southside Crip. Sometime during the early 90s, Davis had formed a relationship with Sean of Daddy Combs. Oh, P. Diddy. I'm not sure how. Was it P. Diddy on the East Coast? He's the East Coast, but this guy was... And this is the uncle of Orlando Anderson. Orlando Anderson. Okay. okay. Davis claimed that in 1996, Combs had put out a $1 million bounty on Tupac and Suge Knight. Oh, okay. Obviously, Combs denied it. He ever did that. Well, sure. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, Davis says that happened. On July 2nd, 2018, Davis confessed to having a role in the killing of Tupac and after revealing he was dying of cancer. Oh, okay, so like a deathbed confessional? Yes. He went on to say he was the passenger in the white Cadillac on the night of the incident. He refused to name the other suspects in the car, but confirmed that the shooter was Orlando Anderson, his nephew. Oh, okay. And that was that, out of retaliation for getting jumped earlier in the night yes. at the casino. After the fight. Right. And, and Orlando Anderson is dead at this point. Like, I think he, he got capped later yes. on. So they yeah, said it was for after. retaliation and for the bounty. And like you said, Anderson was killed in a shooting in 1998, unrelated to all of this. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. Okay. Los Angeles police felt that they had provided Las Vegas with enough information to prosecute this case, or at least close it. Against it, Davis? Against Orlando Anderson. But he's dead. He's dead, but still you would... Posthumously? Yeah, you can posthumously. Still do that. I didn't know you could do that. Or, that. or, well, they had given him information to possibly before he died. Oh, okay. They felt that... Las Vegas pretty much mishandled it and didn't really have much interest in solving this case. Okay. Really? Yeah. Apparently, allegedly, again, the city of Las Vegas was kind of going through a transformation where they were becoming more of a resort and family style thing. Oh, so they didn't want anything oh. to mar their image. Right. Yeah, so they were like, sure. okay, this I mean, happened. There's people from LA. We're moving on. And, and that's it. Las Vegas okay. is a terrible resort destination, by the way. We've been there many times. Yes, I know. And I am good for a lifetime, it feels like. Or maybe just not with a child. Well, but Don't get in a fight with any crips. In I will try not to. <laughs> no, That's you. usually not my forte, but... That is true. You know what's changed? Because no one offered me Coke last time we went. Uh, we weren't offered or solicited for anything. anything. I was quite hurt. <laughs> uh, you don't look like a Coke head. I guess not. That's a good thing. <laughs> Question? I feel like cokeheads are classy. Oh, okay. Cokehead okay, versus crackhead. Yeah, not crack. That's different. Coke is classy. Did they offer you crack this time? No, no one offered you Are you saying I look like a crackhead? Yeah. <laughs> so, moving on. Yes. Not more than a year later, in March 9th, 1997, Christopher Wallace was shot and killed in Los Angeles, aka Biggie Smalls. Oh, but who? Almost okay. referred to as Christopher Wallace. Exactly. Chris, just call him Biggie. Biggie. Eh, I'm not going to remember. I'm like, who's this white guy named yes. Christopher Wallace that we're talking about? Okay. What does this have to do with Biggie? And Biggie's oh. from New York, right? Yes. Okay. He had come out here to promote his album, and then there was some sort of music awards or something. Okay. Uh, and allegedly, too, the people affiliated with Tupac and them felt it was a little on the nose for him to come out so early after Tupac's After he death. had, oh, okay. To kind of celebrate oh. him. Okay. And, like, rub it in a little Correct. bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So on March 9th, 1997, like we said, around 12.30 a.m., Biggie, Bad Boy Records CEO Sean Puffy Combs, and their entourage left the Soul Train Music Awards after party, which was being held at the Peterson Automotive Museum. In Los Angeles? Yeah, like LA Beverly Hills area. Okay. They left in two GMC Suburbans, and it was being followed by a security detail in another vehicle. Okay. So the party had been, it was, 
was planned to go longer and been shut down by fire marshal due to the crowd. <laughs> fire marshals. Biggie traveled in the front passenger seat of the second Suburban mm -hmm. alongside his associates, Damon D. Rock Butler, junior mafia member Little C's. Cease like cease and desist. Cease game. Really? Yeah. <laughs> God damn. And driver Gregory G. Money Young. <laughs> Combs traveled in the first vehicle with three of his body parts. And like I said, there was a third vehicle that was a Chevrolet Blazer that had the director of security in it. At 12.45 a.m., the streets were crowded with cars full of people leaving the event. Wallace's Suburban had stopped at the light Biggie. right in front of the museum. Biggie. Simultaneously, a dark Chevrolet Impala pulled up alongside Wallace's SUV. The driver of the Impala, an African-American male, rolled down his window, drew a 9mm blue steel pistol, and fired several rounds into the GMC Suburban. Another drive-by. Oh, wait, so which, which car was Biggie in? The second one? The second Who so was in the yes. first one? Puffy. Okay, and then security was in the back? Yeah. Okay. In the third car. I would never sit in the front seat, by the way. I would be laying down in that third row. You would never know. With, like, bulletproof. Yeah. Thing. Fuck okay. that. Four of the five shots hit Wallace in the chest. He was rushed to the Cedar Sinai. By then, they drove him there so themselves. It's actually pretty good. I think dodged for tickets. And he was pronounced dead at 1.15. At 1.15 in the morning. Yes. Okay. So, what does AM stand for? Do you know? After Meridian? After Meridian. Which PM? Pre-Meridian? I don't know. Prime Meridian. Isn't that something else? This is something that has plagued me, but I won't Google it. <laughs> I think about it often. <laughs> this is a good time to bring it up. It is. is there any other things that are, uh, No, I'm sure they will keep going. <laughs> need to learn to roll. So, <laughs> kinda, we're kind of going on a, on a timeline here. Okay. I figured it would be a chronological retelling okay. of the event. And then we're going to get into some more details Ooh. of each event. Okay. okay. Got it. Okay. So, now we're up to March 18th, 1997. Okay. Okay. I was trying to think of where I was at that time. Can't remember. You ever seen the movie Crash? Crash? Yes, I have seen that movie. No, I haven't. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you're like, there's like all this going. stuff that. Sorry, go ahead. Yes. Yes, everything kind of ties together in a stories. weird way. Yes. Well, it was good. You kind well, of I don't know. You guys are just saying <laughs> words that don't make sense. We're communicating well, on a different what if, level. What if our five listeners haven't heard of this movie, huh? Okay, fine. Now they'll go out and see it. How old is it? Like 20 years old, at least. Yeah, the one like Best Picture, I believe. Oh, Best Picture, okay. So we were talking about, what, 97? 97. Well, it had to be after 97. Oh. Because the opening scene of that movie is based on this next part. Okay. No, no. His, I remember the, the first time I saw it, I was working at Harley. So I was 18. So that would have been 2000 and... No, you weren't 18 in 97. No. When I saw the movie... I oh. was 18 because I was working at Harley. Mm. And so that was like 2000. All right, so 1997. <laughs> Frank Lega shot and killed Kevin Gaines in a road rage incident in Studio City. Who were these people? Yeah, do they have any? I'll tell you. Okay. okay. <clears throat> the shooting was investigated by LAPD Detective Russell Poole. During the investigation, Poole discovered that Gaines had ties to death row records and the Bloods and also dated Suge Knight's ex-wife. Oh. Additionally, the vehicle driven by Gaines at the time of the shooting was registered to Death Row Records. Oh. Frank Liga, who shot him, mm -hmm. was a LAPD narcotics detective. Oh. Wait, who shot who? who? Kevin Gaines. Okay. Who's everything I just read to you. <laughs> okay. I think she's confused on where Kevin Gaines fits into. Yes. You'll see. The okay. At the time... Kings was killed. He was 31 and a seven-year veteran of the LAPD. So an officer was killed named Gaines. Named Gaines. So obviously this was, and Liga was a, also an officer. Frank Liga was white. Gaines was black. This was a situation where a two officers were in a shooting. The officer that killed Gaines was white. Gaines was black. He was dead. So the LAPD now had an issue where Wait, One so night. white officer Liga killed black officer Gaines? Yes. Tensions oh. are high to begin it's with. LAPD has 10,000 officers on their department. So oh. uh, Liga's driving down the street. They get into this road rage. Okay. He's actually on the radio because he's in a, his UC car. In yeah. Car. He tells part of his team that what's going on, this guy's chasing him, whatever. Oh. Liga goes to pull over. So Gaines pulls over. Mm -hmm. As soon as Gaines pulls over, he takes off. And then Gaines is on it again, chasing him. Yeah. They end up driving into a parking lot. Gaines pulls a weapon. Liga was faster with his. Oh. 
Okay, okay. <clears throat> Nobody knows Gaines is an officer. Got it, because he was undercover. No, Gaines oh. was off. <laughs> Liga was undercover. He was off duty. Okay, I got it. Liga was undercover. For, and yeah, and then Black Gaines was off duty. And right. neither knew each other was an officer. Oh, okay. So they think they're. White Liga thinks he's, you know, just road rage. This feels like just a big misunderstanding. Black Gaines thinks he's road rage with a white civilian. They have no idea he's not an officer. Okay. Liga immediately identifies himself after the shooting as an officer. They don't actually discover (laughs) Gaines as an officer until someone's at the hospital and they look at his ID. Okay. And they're both LAPD? Yes. Okay. So the investigation that Gaines' behavior also provided the first clues to the widespread police corruption of the Rampart scandal. What is it again? Yeah, we'll get into it. Okay, that's fine. We We cover it. That was March 18th, 1997, was the shooting. Now, November 6th, it was later that year of 97, a man named David Mack robbed a bank of $700,000. Which is nothing in today's dollars, just saying. Inflation's a bitch. (laughs) For those of you with money, $700,000 is nothing. Fuck, I'll take $700,000. Buy a decent house for that. That was seven hundred thousand in nineteen nineties. That's nineteen ninety seven. That's not what that's worth now. Inflation would be more. This is true. Million? No, there's future value and present. You know, we're not getting into that. A, a dollar today is not worth the same as it is in the future. Continue. Okay. But so neither of you know who then. David Mack is. No. No. Okay. So in August of 1997, Errol Romero became employed at a Bank of America branch near the University of Southern California. Like I said, on November <laughs> 6th, David Mack and two accomplices entered the bank, and Mack claimed he wanted to access the safe deposit box. Okay. Romero, who we mentioned earlier, admitted him to the secure area where he threw it to the floor and robbed the vault of $722,000. So, like, straight cash? Yeah. Oh, okay. In her capacity as branch assistant manager. In her? There's a her. Romero. Yeah, Romero's that's a female. female? Erilyn. Yeah, she's a Oh. Female. Oh, we didn't pick up on that. Sorry. My bad. How's how yeah. that name? Your bad. Erilyn. Yeah. That's a weird ass name. It is. One of the kind like, of Marilyn? No. Without the M? No. Uh, kind of like Errol Flynn. No. That old guy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she had ordered double the usual amount of cash to be on hand at the bank the day of the robbery. So also, it's an inside. After mm. one month of investigation, Romero confessed to her role in the crime and implicated Mac as the mastermind. This was not the day of abundant reserves. Okay. <laughs> so that is a little. I don't even know what you just said. <laughs> Uh, Mac was arrested in December of 97. Okay. His two accomplices were never caught. Was Mac, it one Romero? Isn't she technically an accomplice? Oh, well, he entered the bank with himself. With two, two guys. Oh, okay. She was already in the bank. With him. Gotcha, gotcha. Mac was sentenced to 14 years and three months in prison and has never revealed the whereabouts of the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snitches get stitches. Mac claimed he could do 14 years in prison standing on his head and then it was no big deal. Oh. Is Mac black? Made, he is. Well, that's relevant. This is a very white versus black story. He that also is allegedly true. claimed his allegiance to the Bloods and that he was a full member. Mm. Now, the kicker with Mac, also LAPD. <gasps> really? Yes. The plot thickens. <laughs> oh, wow. And dun, worked dun, in Rampart. Oh. And you still have to tell us what uh, Rampart is, but that's fine. It, uh, so I'm sure you've heard the name Rafael Perez. You're so sure? Yes. No. Okay. I have no idea who that is. All right. Rafael <laughs> Perez was like the, the name in the Rampart scandal. So on August 25th of 1998, Rafael Perez, another PD officer, was arrested for stealing cocaine from an LAPD evidence locker. Woo! Hell of a drug. On August 25th, 1998, <laughs> Perez, then age 31 and a nine-year veteran of the Los Angeles Police Department, was arrested for stealing six pounds of cocaine from a department property room. The theft was originally suspected to be an attempt at framing fellow officer Frank Liga in retaliation mm. for the shooting of Perez's friend, Kevin Gaines. So, so Perez was friends with Gaines, whom Liga, the white officer, killed during the Correct. road raid incident. So he stole the coke to frame Liga, the white officer, allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. I think that may have been the reason. See, I need uh, The cocaine more. was estimated to be worth $800,000 on the street. Damn. His December 1998 trial ended as a mistrial. Oh. In order to avoid a second trial and the possible conviction of a second wife, who, according to authorities, may have known about Prez's illegal activities, mm-hmm. cut a plea bargain. In his okay. plea bargain, he revealed the Rampart scandal in exchange for immunity for his misconduct. Oh, okay. So we're not going to get too into the Rampart scandal because that's like a whole nother... Another topic. Yeah, yeah no, it's not really a conspiracy. Okay. Basically what happened was he ended up rolling on most of... Perez did? Yeah. Okay. Was on everyone that was on the Rampart scandal. They were in a unit called Crash, which was a gang-type unit 
yeah, okay. went in and did a lot of the, the tough work down in the Rampart area, which is not the greatest neighborhood. Oh, the Rampart's a place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Rampart, Rampart Station. I did not know there's that. A, there's an area of LA called Rampart. Oh. And then there's an actual Rampart division of LAPD. Gotcha. Oh, okay. That works out of there. March 9th, 1997, Notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Christopher Wallace, was shot and killed in Los Angeles. We're just calling him Biggie because we Biggie. don't know who Christopher Wallace is. Sorry. March 18th, 1997, Frank Liga shoots and kills Kevin Gaines in a road raid incident. Yes. November 6th, 1997, David Mack robs a bank of $700,000. August 25th, 1998, Rafael Perez is arrested for stealing cocaine from an LAPD evidence locker. Okay. To frame Liga. Allegedly. 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 Yes. I don't know for sure. So all of that leads to an investigation. Mm-hmm. But through the LAPD? Yes. And Russell Poole... Uh, becomes the lead detective in most of these cases. Here we go. Got it. So there ends up being two investigations into this, two different theories of who killed uh, Biggie Smalls. Okay. Okay. So what are those theories? Are we going to get into it or do you need this? This is where we go. Okay, this here we go. About right here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Detective Russell Poole's involvement in the Rampart scandal began less than six months before Wallace's murder and a year before Perez was arrested. His involvement started when Poole and his Robert Homicide Detective Unit partner, Fred Miller, were assigned to investigate the 1997 Studio City shooting death of Kevin Gaines. See that? You can barely say it once. (laughs) Uh, As we know, Gaines was killed in the road rage incident Mm -hmm. after he brandished a gun at another motorist who happened to be an undercover officer named Frank Unbeknownst to him, yes. Poole was not the original detective that handled the Biggie Smalls killing. LAPD Worcester Division ended up investigating the case for the first month. During the course of that first month, he received a phone call from Worcester detectives stating that there was a possibility that Gaines may have been involved in the Biggie Smalls killing. That was the first clue that came and led Poole to be the lead investigator. After months of investigating, Poole accused LAPD officer David Mack, along with Mack's friend Amir Mohammed, of being complicit in the murder of Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. Biggie Smalls. I feel like that's a big deal to accuse like, yeah. someone. Well, else. I mean, he did rob a bank, uh, well, so he's not the best officer. Right? But, right. like, if that hadn't been a thing beforehand, like, I just feel like throwing out yeah. accusations would be a big deal. So, essentially, as of right now, there's kind of two sets of LAPD officers. One that may have been somehow involved with the killing and shooting of Biggie Smalls and then some that are investigating it. Is that fair to say? Well, there's, yeah, LAPD as a whole, like yeah. doing their job yes. normally. There seems to be a certain set of officers. That are somehow involved. That are somehow involved. Okay. They're working for Biggie off-duty. And Ooh, they're kind okay. of affiliated with the blood. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Okay. Like I said, he names them as involvement in the murder. Mm-hmm. Of the shooting, provided a description of a black male wearing a blue suit with a bow tie. He also provided that information to a sketch artist, and the result was a composite that was similar to Amir Muhammad. Amir Muhammad was one of Mac's accomplices? Yeah. Okay. For some reason, Amir was never questioned regarding the murder of Christopher Wallace. Hmm. So we're going to take a little detour now. Okay. That's what we're great at. <laughs> so there's a man named Eugene Deal. He was Sean Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy Bodyguard. Okay. Okay. The night of the party, he was told by a friend who was in a federal penitentiary to vest up. What does that mean? Or a bulletproof vest. Okay. So he informed Combs that someone may try to kill them tonight. Combs brushed it off. Deal took the information seriously and was on high alert. Mm -hmm. While standing outside Combs' vehicle waiting for the rest of the group so they could leave the party, he was approached by a man to be from the Nation of Islam, wearing a blue suit, white shirt, and, and a blue bow tie. Oh! Deal had his weapon at the ready, and the man just looked at him and walked away. Deal was a little confused by that. He's like, why are you holding a gun? Nothing like that. This guy just looks at him and walks away. Sure. Right. So bow tie had the gun, not Deal. No, no, Deal. Oh, okay. So, shortly after the encounter, Combs' entourage leaves the party in three vehicles. Mm-hmm. Deal and Combs were in the first vehicle. Biggie was in the second. Right. Deal tells his driver, run the next three lights. Don't stop for any red lights. So as they leave the museum, they made the light and crossed the intersection. Wallace's vehicle, which was behind them, did not. It was stopped in the left lane prior to the intersection. The black Impala, which we had mentioned earlier, driving in the right lane, stopped in Wallace's vehicle and fired five shots into the door. The Impala fled by turning right onto Wilshire. The third vehicle, which was the security detail Mm -hmm. for Combs, 
tried to give chase to the Impala, but lost it right away. Okay. A call was placed to 911, and they drove to the hospital rather than wait for an ambulance. While at the hospital, Deal overhears Little C's, who is in the That's vehicle right. with Biggie, saying a Muslim shot Biggie over and over. Deal said to him, blue shirt, white shirt, blue bow tie. And he replied, yeah, how you know? Deal explained that he had seen him earlier. <gasps> so he was presumably supposed to shoot P. Diddy. The assumption was that that was... We don't know. I mean, one can conclude, based on what you told me, because Deal P. Diddy's bodyguard was told to best up or whatever because there was an alleged event. event against P. Diddy. They ran the lights, leaving the only two other cars behind. I assume they're the same make and model, roughly, of the cars. Then this same guy but that approached Deal know that he was in that second exactly, car. Exactly. Right. Went and presumably maybe thought P. Diddy was in the first car, not Big yeah. Smalls. He quit said that Biggie and Puff Daddy were both in the same seat in different cars. Oh, in the, yes, because Puff Daddy was in the front vehicle in the passenger seat. Biggie right. Smalls was in the second, second vehicle in the passenger seat. Right. You know, Deal tells Lil CC, I explained to him that he had seen this guy earlier. Yeah. So two weeks later, LAPD detectives went to New York and showed Deal a picture of him and the Muslim from the parking garage. Deal says the guy's face is blurred out in the photo. Everything else is clear, but the face is intentionally blurred. Weird. Mm -hmm. The photo was documented and logged as evidence, but was later removed and LAPD claimed that it didn't exist. <gasps> Much later, Deal was shown a photo lineup by a documentary filmmaker and he positively identified Amir Muhammad as the man in the parking garage dressed like a nation of Islam. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Who's Amir Muhammad? Yes. Yes. Good question. Amir and Mac were close. He was the godfather to Mac's children and oh. was also the only person to visit Mac when he was in custody. Okay. When visiting Mac, Amir used aliases to avoid detection of his visits. Sure. So that's who Mac is. So what is Muhammad. Mac's relation with P. Diddy? None. None? Oh, okay. No, he's Mac's affiliates in Bloods and Shit. Okay. And an LAPD officer. Former. Yes. At this time, Poole had enough evidence to prove that Mac had ties to the CEO of Death Row Records, Marion Shug Knight. Mm -hmm. He suspected Mac and possibly other officers took part in the murder. Both Mac and Perez were at the Peterson Museum mm. the night of Wallace's murder. Mac is a party grower, and Perez was on duty. Perez was on the crime seed log and allegedly collected shell casings. Um. When Mac was arrested for the bank robbery, mm -hmm. a search of his residence revealed ammunition that was the same make and caliber that was used to kill Biggie Smalls. So potentially the shell casings that were from the Biggie Smalls shooting. No, I mean, actually unused ammunition. Oh, oh, okay. The same make and caliber. Oh, that oh, was used that to was used him. to kill him. Okay. Right. And on that, they also located a black Chevy and Paul at Max residence. According to reports, Poole was denied any forensic or ballistic evidence gathering of the ammunition or vehicle. Hmm. Why would that be? I don't know. Corruption. <laughs> mm -hmm. Poole had sources that confirmed Mac was raised in the same Compton neighborhood and was in the same gang as Knight or affiliated with. Mac was a frequent visitor at Knight's private parties and frequently wore the same style and color red clothes as Knight and the Bloods gang. Can never be a blood. Red isn't my color. <laughs> yeah, that's why you can't be a blood. That's exactly why. <laughs> Look at us. We're blue and red right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Like I said, most of this information came from the book Labyrinth, which was written by Randall Sullivan. Randall Sullivan, okay. Yeah. So, after all that, Poole sends his findings to the then chief of the Los Angeles Police Department, Bernard Parks, who then ordered Poole to cease all investigations of Officer David Mack. Mm. In protest of Parks and the LAPD's handling the case, Poole reluctantly retired from the department in late 99. Distraught from the order to end the Mack investigation early and forced retirement, Poole later stated that I almost took my life, but it was my kids that actually saved me. So my kids going to push me over the edge one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I believe his kids were older. They were young adults. Oh, got it. Jesus. Uh, furthermore, he ended up filing a lawsuit against the LAPD for violating his First Amendment rights mm. by preventing him from going to the public Ooh. with his findings. Okay. So he believes Mac and this Amir guy are in on it? Correct. Okay. Responsible for the, but he for couldn't say anything because he was told basically to shut it down by the right. chief. Okay. Exactly. As a private investigator, he did continue to investigate it on his own. Okay. In order to corroboration mm -hmm. for what Poole investigated and alleged, an inmate named Ken Boagni 
shared a cell with Rafael Perez for four months and was housed in the same unit with him for a total of eight months. Okay. You know, the difference between housing and cell. So I do not. Cell, that's not my world. A cell actually has two inmates. Oh, you have to share. Okay. Yes. So they were in that together. But a housing unit will have up to... That's all the different that cells. Like, in an area. Is that like orange? Oh, okay. No, it's not like open living. It's just... Okay. Were you going to say orange is the new black? Because they had like the more open concept where it was just like bunks. Of, like rows. So they have... Wait, 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 wait. She just used like a HGTV term to describe a, <laughs> a prison. An open concept. <laughs> I know what she means. Well, I'm, I'm not thinking like individual so you'll cells. Have, correct. So you have yeah. individual cells in a housing, and you have multiple housings in a jail okay. or a prison. Got it. So he's saying these two were in, in the same cell or in the same months. housing, and then in the same housing for eight. So they were roomies for a bit. Yeah. Yes, and then they were just in the same general in the same area. housing unit, even though you're not sharing a cell with someone. So they were neighbors. After yeah, you're kind of sitting Roughly, in the yeah. day room. They were in a neighborhood, that, basically. So. Got yeah. it. Okay. So obviously, he's a prisoner. Uh, so you got to take whatever he says with a grain of salt. Yeah. For whatever reason. So Ken said, Viagni said he became friends with Perez. Mm -hmm. And Perez told him of numerous crimes he had committed while being an LAPD officer. Bagni alleged that Perez talked about his involvement in the Biggie murder after hearing a notorious B.I.G. song on the radio. Bagni claimed that the money stolen in the bank robbery was intended to go to Harry Phillips, also Who's known that? as Amir Muhammad. Oh! Because a lot of Nation of Islam people, whenever they when they change their name, there's always they, they whitewash it. So like, oh, <laughs> so it's no opposite. Okay, I got that backwards. That sounded. <laughs> So he was probably born Harry Phillips, but if he got it, uh, okay, Islam, he would have changed it to America. Uh, that makes more sense. I misunderstood the direction of that. No problem. Mm -hmm. so it happens. Boyani said both Perez and Mac were involved in the murder of Wallace, but Phillips was the shooter for Mohammed. Mm -hmm. Boyani said Perez told him Mac and he were both at the museum on the night of the murder, and Perez was the lookout, providing intel to Mac on the whereabouts of Wallace. Mm -hmm. Their witness statements that subjects were seen using radios prior to the shooting, professional police radios. Hmm. According to Biagni, Perez informed Mac that they were heading to their vehicles and five minutes later was contacted by Mac, telling him to get out of the way. Then Perez said all hell broke loose. Also in relation to that, not 100% sure who this guy is or his name was Xavier Hermosillo. He was an LAPD fair rights officer. What does that mean? So. I'm assuming that because LAPD had so many complaints, mm -hmm. citizen complaints, he would follow up with the people that made complaints. So it was like IA? Kind of within internal affairs, sort of. Oh, okay. Some sort of public relations type officer. Okay. In December of 2000, he heard testimony from inmates Boagni and Felipe Sanchez, who were in cells with Perez two years apart. Mm -hmm. He was told by Boagni that two officers had visited him prior to the interview and threatened that they would be shanked or stabbed if they talked to him. What's being the difference CEO. between shanking and stabbing? I feel like shanking's like... A stabbing is going to be with a knife. Okay, and shanking shank is sharp object. Exactly, going to be like a homemade oh. shank made within the prison. You can let your creative juices fly with that one. Right. Got it. During Hermosillo's investigation, he came across a photo of Mac and Perez with a female standing in between them. All three were dressed in red and standing over a cake that read Blood's Rule. Hermosillo identified the female was as... Was she the, the bank lady? She was not. Oh. She was the daughter of LAPD police chief Bernard Parks. Oh. Which is presumably why he told Poole to shut down his investigation. Because uh, his daughter was somehow involved. Possibly. Oh. That's more interesting. So Romasio claimed he booked the photo as evidence and it was never seen again. Mm -hmm. So if you look up his daughter, mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot of information on her. She apparently was like a clerk of some sort for the LAPD or the city of LA, mm -hmm. who was eventually arrested in Vegas for cocaine trafficking or possession. <laughs> I didn't want to get into it. But yeah. She got into trouble once. I believe she wasn't really actually officially charged. Okay says she was there Shocker. at the wrong time, wrong place. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it doesn't sound like she was always on the up and up. Gotcha. Okay. So after all this, Biggie Smalls, his mom is still alive. Her name is Valletta. Okay. In April of 2002, 
she filed a wrongful death claim against the city of Los Angeles based on Poole's investigation. Okay. Oh, okay. Valetta claimed that the LAPD had sufficient evidence to arrest the gunman, but, but failed didn't. to use it. Mack and Mohammed, aka Barry Phillips, were originally named as defendants in the civil suit, but were dropped shortly after the trial began after the LAPD and FBI dismissed them as suspects. The case came for the trial before a jury on June 21st, 2004. On the eve of the trial, a key witness who expected to testify, Kevin Hackey, revealed that he'd suffered memory lapses due to psychiatric oh medications. My God. He had previously testified to knowledge of involvement between Knight, Mack, and Muhammad, mm -hmm. but later said that the Wallace attorneys had altered his declarations to include words he never said. Hackey took full blame for filing a false declaration. Mm -hmm. Several days into the trial, the plaintiff's attorneys disclosed to the court and opposing counsel that he had received a telephone call from someone claiming to be an LAPD officer and provided detailed information about the existence of evidence concerning the Wallace murder. Mm -hmm. The court directed the city to conduct a thorough investigation, which uncovered previously undisclosed evidence, much of which was in a desk or cabinet of Detective Stephen Katz, the lead detective in the Wallace investigation. Oh, okay. The document centered around interviews by numerous police officers of an incarcerated informant who had been a cellmate of imprisoned Rampart Officer Rafael Perez, mm -hmm. which we had just talked about. So yeah. obviously it's Bo Agni. He reported that Perez told him about his and Mac's involvement with death road records and their activities at the Peterson Automotive Museum the night of Wallace's murder. As a result of the newly discovered evidence, the judge declared a mistrial and awarded the Wallace family its attorney's fees, hmm. which was around a million dollars. Oh, okay. Because it was declared a mistrial, there was going to be another... A retrial. Was, yeah, she was going to sue him again. So, preempt that, LAPD decides to do a second investigation. Because mm -hmm. whenever a police agency does an investigation... You may know this. What happens when they ask, when the media asks a question about the investigation? They don't answer the question. It's an ongoing investigation. It's an ongoing investigation. <laughs> so if there's an ongoing investigation mm -hmm. and Wallace's oh. family wants more information, it's not available. It can't be released because, released because there's okay. an ongoing investigation. Mm -hmm. So in July of 2006, a task force was formed and the criminal investigation into Wallace's murder was reopened to look for new evidence to help the city defend the civil lawsuits brought by the Wallace family. Mm -hmm. So they were suing for roughly $400 million. Yeah. Which... How do people come up with these numbers? I don't understand. So back then, music made money. Yeah, that right? was a long time. So mm -hmm. you have to look at what Biggie could have made Yeah. should he continue to make music. Oh, okay. The and projected, anticipated... Projected, right? Okay. On top of damages and losing your loved one and all that kind of shit, too. Sure. So that $400 million is probably not that far off. Okay. You know, oh. if you think about potential earning income. That, okay, when you look at it holistically, that yeah, makes sense. you look at it throughout a lifetime, sure. essentially, right? Because his songs, anytime they get used for a commercial or whatever. ka, -ching, ka -ching. Right, yep. Exactly. Got it. Rumor is that had that lawsuit won, mm -hmm. it, it somehow bankrupts the LAPD. Oh. And they cease to exist. Okay. Now that I'm not 100% sure on because I believe most cities and police agencies have insurance. They do. Yeah. And the insurance should pay that out. So I'm not totally sold on that theory. But it, I don't know. You don't you know. want to deal with the, the optics of that. So, before that next lawsuit is coming, the mm -hmm. LAPD decides to investigate it again. Okay. They, Essentially, so they don't have to give information possibly about. Allegedly. Yes. Okay. okay. So, they hire a retired LAPD detective named Craig Keating, worked for three years on a gang task force that included the Wallace case. So Kaning alleged that the rapper was shot by Wardell Pucci Faust. Mm -hmm. Faust was a Mod Pyro gang member and associate of Knight, who also conveniently died on July 4, 2003. So convenient. After being shot in the back while riding his motorcycle in Compton. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Kaning believes Knight hired Faust to kill Wallace to avenge the death of Tupac Shakur. Yes. Via his girlfriend, Teresa Swan. Kaning alleges Shakur was killed under the order of Combs. My God. Okay, wait, you just lost me. There are so yeah. many people that are just bam, 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 bam. So, Kidding says that Tupac was killed on the order of Sean Puffy Combs. So, P. Diddy said, kill Tupac. Right. Okay. So, to that's why that, someone wanted to kill allegedly P. Diddy that one night, but presumably he went through the red lights and that's well, why Biggie got killed. In Kidding's theory, Combs was not a target. Oh, uh, okay. He says it was specifically Biggie. Uh, oh. In order to, because you took mine, I take yours. Okay. 
So. So so Biggie was retaliation for Tupac being killed. Correct. Okay. And in Kading's investigation, he says that it's straight and simple. He used this woman named Teresa Swan to communicate to Pucci, kill Biggie. Vengeance okay. is confusing. Let's be real. There's too many people that are right. Very very people. straightforward. Okay. No, it's not. <laughs> well. Well, that one is. Kading's, Kading's I don't think theory, I believe that one. Theory theory is very straightforward. It's very convenient. It's the too first simple. Thing he's accusing no, of killing it's too simple. Yeah, I don't think I believe that one. It's so. very yeah convenient. I don't. Yeah. Now, simultaneously, at the same time, the FBI, <laughs> who had been involved with the LAPD due to a consent decree because of the whole Rampart scandal, the female okay. body investigators. Get out of here! <laughs> did you buy that shirt at a gift shop? I sure <laughs> did at Venice Beach. <laughs> 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 so an FBI agent by the name of Phil Carson was also conducting an investigation into LAPD and if officers were involved in the corruption and the murder of Wallace. FBI officials conducted a review of the investigation and shut it down in January of 2005 after learning that Agent Carson had discussions with lawyers for Wallace's mother, Valletta Wallace, and had been subpoenaed to testify in her wrongful death lawsuit against the city. Mm. Okay. Prior to being shut down, Carson's findings were in line with Poole, and he vehemently... Vehemently? Vehemently. (laughs) Yes, thank you. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. Opposed (laughs) Katie's theory that Faust was able to kill Wallace in a poorly planned drug-by shooting. So what does Carson believe? He was in line with... (laughs) Vehemently. I got so lost on the vehemently, I forgot the point. (laughs) He was in agreement with very much with Poole's investigation. And Poole's the first guy. The first investigating officer, yes. Yes. Yeah, well, Carson completely disagreed with uh, Kading's uh-huh. investigation in that it was some random drive-by. I think that uh, <laughs> if you look at the evidence of the the vehicle when it was shot, mm-hmm. all five rounds were right into the door of the front passenger. Okay. So it wasn't like someone could just drive up and just fire random shots. It, it was, was intentional? It was intentionally for that one person in that seat. Okay. Whether it have been... Biggie or... Or... Biggie, Biggie, or... Right. Finally, in the second lawsuit on April 16, 2007, relatives of Biggie Smalls, a.k.a. Walls, filed a second wrongful death suit against the city of Los Angeles. The suit also named two LAPD officers in the center of the investigation into the Rampart scandal, Perez and Nino Durden. According to the claim, Perez, an alleged affiliate of Death Row Records, admitted to LAPD officials that he and Mac, who was not named in the lawsuit, conspired to murder and participated in the murder of Christopher Walls. The Wallace family said the LAPD consciously concealed Rafael Perez's involvement in the murder of Wallace. Biggie Smalls, right? Biggie Smalls, yes. Wallace is Biggie. United States District Judge Florence Marie Cooper granted summary judgment to the city on December 17, 2007, finding that the Wallace family had not complied with a California law that required the family to give notice of its claim to the state within six months. Oh my God. I feel like that's a nitpicky thing on purpose. That's so bullshit. Big time. The Wallace family refiled the suit, dropping the state law claims on May 27, 2008. The suit against the city of Los Angeles was finally dismissed in 2010. It was described by the New York Times as one of the longest running and most contentious yeah, that's celebrity so long. cases in history. What, 1997 yeah, to years? 2010? Almost 20 years. That's 17 years. 17 years. <laughs> The Wallace suit had asked for five hundred million from the no. city. Yep. See, I thought it was thirteen years, but then you said it so. <laughs> there was so like, much conviction. With so much conviction. In December two thousand twelve, the LAPD released the autopsy results conducted on Wallace's body degenerating leads. The release was criticized by the longtime lawyer of his estate, Perry Sanders Jr., who objected to an autopsy. The case remains officially unsolved, despite a good amount of evidence mm. being found. So what do you think is the most logical explanation? What do you think happened? Based on all your research, what's your gut telling you, allegedly? I think Poole's investigation was spot on. And I think Perez and Mac and Shug and the Bloods conspired to... Kill him because of Tupac? Um, I don't know if it was because of Tupac. I mean... so if you go back, there's a lot of unnecessary beef between this East Coast, West Coast thing. Mm-hmm. Things that happened, like they, Tupac and Biggie actually were friendly. Okay. Weren't they writing until, diss tracks about each other, though, at the end? And later on, there's a, and I think you talk about it in your in our episode, Tupac, uh, Tupac, where he goes to visit Biggie and gets shot like five times. Yeah, down the lobby. Yeah. 
Right. So Tupac and maybe his associates didn't seem to think that that was something that Biggie ordered or Puffy or whoever. Mm -hmm. So that starts like this whole thing. And Biggie never had anything to do with it. He doesn't understand like, okay. why. And then there's like some lyrics that Biggie says in one of his songs that someone says, oh, he's talking about you. And then Tupac does a song where mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, they're doing diss tracks for sure. Yeah, against Tupac one is like right on the nose. There's no question who he's talking yeah. about and what he's trying to say. So that creates like this whole thing. And then people say that, like, you have to remember, Tupac didn't grow up in the gangs. He wasn't, Correct. he wasn't like NWA or somewhere. He actually grew up, up on the East Coast. He did. Right. He was and then East he moved to California. Moved to California. That yeah. was surprising. And yeah. he just kind of lived in between. So his, his whole gang persona didn't start until he became under the Death Row Records. Label. Yes. And he yes. kind of took on that. That association. Persona, right. Yeah. And then became an adversary of Biggie and the whole East Coast, West Coast okay. thing. Okay. If you take that into heart and Suge Knight and then believe that that was a thing, mm -hmm. that that rivalry is a thing, and that they're the ones that killed Tupac, they took basically every dollar out of Suge's pocket yeah. by doing that. So if he believes that and he wants revenge, then that's what's easy. He's going to go and do. Or if they just thought it was disrespect that he was coming to the West Coast that soon yeah. after Tupac had died. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of leaning more towards that someone thought it was P. Diddy and it was just kind of a wrong place, wrong, a wrong, place, wrong time because they ran those red lights and Biggie's car didn't. And I feel like there was some like foreknowledge there to, yeah. Especially if P. Diddy's. That's not the right word. Uh, right? No, I, I, I agree. Especially if P. Diddy's. <laughs> bodyguard was told that an imminent threat might be coming and they specifically ran red lights maybe they thought they were being tailed whatever and then biggie's crew didn't get that thing allegedly pdd would be in the first car if you didn't know the first car ran those red lights therefore biggie small the first, first car that you saw was and then you would shoot it in the same spot that p diddy was sitting i don't know that sounds a little suspicious yeah but anyway, so that was the death of Biggie Smalls. That was super interesting. I didn't know. There were a lot more people involved. Bro, there were like 800 people. I had no idea the LAPD was involved or anything. It was more just involved. I never That's gave it one the thought, day. actually. Nope. Yeah. Nope, nope, nope. That was pretty interesting. So having now been an active participant for a single episode, would you want to come back and do another topic? Yeah, if I find something worth discussing. discussing. I'm sure we will inspire you, just like we maybe, inspired maybe. you to do this episode. Maybe so now that you have popped your podcast cherry, what what's your uh, initial feedback? Yeah, how you feeling? Uh, <laughs> the same. <laughs> you need Should another shot. We were just force-feeding shots down your throat. Maybe he has one shot and one seltzer that will cause him horrific heartburn. <laughs> Later on, or or girl, or something. Esophageal, Esophageal reflux. Esophage yeah. <laughs> uh, I see you took off a few days. Did you go? Some, it was your birthday weekend? It right? was my birthday weekend. She's oh, almost thirty. I turned twenty-nine, and, and it was terrible. Thank <laughs> you for asking. <laughs> it was the worst trip imaginable. If you want to celebrate not being 30, don't do what we did. Yeah, so we went to we Lake Havasu. Five-hour drive. The drive wasn't bad. No, because we drove separately. She and drove I, with her husband. I drove with Alex. Drove. It was cool. Oh. We went to Guns and Ammo, and I found the gun of my dreams. But you can't buy a but gun. But apparently you can't buy a gun in Arizona if you're a California resident. And Evan doesn't like you enough to have bought you the gun no. with his Arizona And I'm like, ID. that's cool. So then I was a little sad. So then we went to our Airbnb. That was cool. Everyone's partying the first night. I'm tired. Everyone of but you. I'm tired. The I'm like, this girl. is cool. I'm gonna party tomorrow because we have plans to go on the lake. We have a boat. We have a jet ski. We have all this stuff. Everyone's partying. I go to bed. It's I, whatever. Everyone had a great time. I went to bed at like two o'clock. Minus myself. And then got up at six. So then the next day we wake up. We're ready to go. I was. I'm pretty confident we got fucking scammed out of our boat because the guy's not answering. It was off to a rough start. Alex and Evan went to the location to get the boat. He's like, it's a random trailer. No boat to be found. No one's answering the door. The guy's not answering his phone. He's not answering his messaging apps on the boat app that we're on. I'm like, cool. Yes, we did. So I go, cool, we just got scammed at the $500. Finally, like an hour later, the guy hits up Alex and is like, hey, we'll meet you at the dock and you can come get the boat. So we're like, okay, we go to the dock. It's oh, not easy. the guy. Some oh. random meth head comes up and is like, hey, you need a boat? And he's like, I'm friends with so-and-so. And he told me to come down and give you the boat because he's busy. 
So we're like, okay. So we get the boat, whatever. The jet skis are like an hour and a half late. We finally get the one jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> we get on it. We start riding. 35 minutes. 35 minutes into it. The jet ski fucking breaks. So now we are stranded on an island in the, in the middle of Havasu, waiting for the owner of the jet ski to get onto the water, come find us, and hopefully fix the jet ski. It was that takes hours. three hours. We didn't have water, by we the way. We had no we water. We underestimated the amount of water and overestimated the amount Evan of beer we would need. Evan is so atrocious hungover that he just sleeps under a tree. Alex is trying to have the best attitude. I'm trying not to kill myself. Cassie is just drinking meat juice from a cooler because there was absolutely no water. So three hours go by. Finally get a new jet ski. We're like, okay, let's just go fucking drive, man. We drive and then the fucking check engine light of the boat comes on. We almost ran out of gas. And then we're like, turn off, turn on. That's cool. We head back, we, our fucking gas light comes on. The hesitation with the turn off, turn on is because we had to jump the we boat. We jumped the boat earlier in the day because apparently the boat doesn't fucking work unless you jump it. Cool, let's just go park in the blistering sun for two hours while we wait until the end of our reservation because I texted the guy saying, hey, you can come get the boat now. And they're like, no, we'll wait. It was just such a horrible experience. And then we all came home. And then-, and then we went home and I'm like, I'm ready to party. Evan's asleep on the couch. Alex is moping in the bedroom. I just sit on, on the, the couch. couch. Cassie doesn't know what to do with herself. I'm like, let's party. No one wants to party with me. Everyone wants to sleep. And then we all went to bed at like eight o'clock. It was atrocious. It was the worst birthday ever. Anywho. So our next episode, I think it is your it turn. It is my turn. It's going to be a topic that I've received many requests on actually it's something i'd already planned on doing but because so many people keep hitting me up about it i'm gonna finally do it it's gonna be mk ultra so if anyone wants to reach us we obviously have our email cracked sisters conspiracies at gmail.com again we have our Instagram, which we are most active on. They post on it weekly. You can give us episode suggestions, feedback, but nice nice feedback. feedback. We also have our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Cracked Sisters Give us your money. You can give us a dollar. You can give us $3 or $5. Maybe I'll show you my feet. Who knows? Whatever you're into. Otherwise, I think that's it. So stay cracked, y'all. And have a great day.